Welcome to another edition of Food, Faith, and Feelings, brought to you as an educational program under our nonprofit, Mana Scholarship Fund. Our program is designed to help you better understand issues related to your physical and mental diet, what you consume that is impacting your head, your heart, and your soul. We are so thankful to our business partnership with Paradigm Security and Mr. Rick Strawn because he provides this opportunity to come to you today. We hope to enrich your lives as he has enriched ours. So today, it's again just me, solo. Thank you, Mike. I love it. I love it. Unfortunately, my friends on Facebook Live can't hear that. He put a bunch of clapping people. So um, today, our topic is thinking about... um, making that shift into making a change in your life. Is it difficult for you to do what you would like to do? Are you trying to stop a behavior? Are you trying to stop binging? Are you trying to stop smoking? Are you trying to stop drinking? Are you trying to stop drunk dialing? Maybe you should start with the drinking part. Um, However, um, there might be things that you want to start doing. Maybe you need to come out of your shell. Maybe you want to um, overcome your fear of what other people think of you. And so as you think about making these changes in your life that, you know, at the end of it, the whole end of it, you know that it's going to be a better situation for you. You know your life is going to improve. However, taking the first step, sometimes you can take the first step, but then you're like, ah, somebody's stepping on my toes, so I got to step back. And so I just wanted to talk with you guys today about what I've just, what I've noticed in the years that I have been doing therapy, um, engaging in it for myself, as well as uh, doing it, being a therapist for others, um, there are just three kind of big factors that I've seen that play a part into making changes that stick. Um, so the first one is vulnerability. Who likes to be vulnerable out there? I don't hear anybody. Where's my crickets, Mike? <laughs> He's taking pictures. So vulnerability, I'm going to tell you what vulnerability is. When you perceive yourself as being under the control of either an internal or an external danger. This means that someone outside of you or someone inside of you, maybe that's your mom's voice or your dad's voice or your wife's voice or somebody else's voice inside of you that you've heard years and years and years. And so somebody or something that makes you believe or feel like you're in danger. So the vulnerability component is recognizing at a physical, spiritual, psychological level that you are capable of being harmed. Now, nobody, but nobody wants to be hurt. Nobody likes to be in pain. Nobody likes to feel shame. Nobody likes those things. Um, many people believe that being vulnerable is equal to being weak. 
if I let you see that you've hurt me, then I am a weak person. That's not true. Not true. Being vulnerable is a component of being a human being. That's it. We are all vulnerable. I think that's one of God's great designs in us is that he is the the overarching, you know, person that's in control or being that's in control. And there's this thing inside of us that we all have needs. We have needs to have water, have food, have sleep, have air, have, um, you know, procreation, like all of those things that we have needs for, those are the things that create the vulnerability inside of us. And so you can't take those needs out of a human being. You can't take those needs out of an animal. Like those are just things that exist and make us vulnerable. And, and so people trying to push, stave off that sense of vulnerability is one of those barriers that prevents you from being in a situation where you're willing to make a change. Because if you have social anxiety and you're afraid of going to that dinner party because you're afraid of looking stupid, then that vulnerability and that, that the fear that you have created in your head is that piece of I can't be vulnerable in front of people because I don't feel safe. Okay. Number two, pain. So vulnerability lets us know that we are capable of being in pain. And pain, as what I've discovered, is the emotion that none of us want to feel. I don't really know. I mean, unless sometimes I will say this, that sometimes people's wires get crossed when they are being um, raised, you know, from being a child, and if they are being physically or sexually abused, then sometimes those wires get crossed, and pain is actually associated with love. You're not the ones I'm talking about, because I think that there's been a lot of distortion that's happened to you. The other component about it is, though, that Most people don't like to be in physical pain. Most people don't like to be in emotional pain. Most people don't like to feel rejection. And so depending on our past, we have either learned to see pain as a challenge to overcome or as the ultimate experience to avoid. Most people are afraid of death because they're afraid that they're going to be in pain before they die. Um, So I want you guys to understand that pain is a thing that's going to exist as long as you're alive. And the more that you avoid it, the bigger that it grows. And so if my fear and my pain is rejection in the social anxiety situation. And so if I don't go to that dinner party that I've been invited to, then the fear and the, of the pain or the actual pain itself actually grows because I have avoided it and because I have given it so much attention and so much energy, the more that I like focus on something, um, especially if it's a painful situation or a painful situation in my past, the more that I avoid it, 
then it becomes, it, it's almost like it just amplifies, like whatever the energy is that I'm trying to pull away from it, it gets that much bigger. And so this is why people have uh, panic attacks. This is why they are afraid to do that, take that next step in order to get better. It's why they're, for clients of mine, it's why they're afraid to take that next bite. It is petrifying. They are petrified to take that bite of um, a little candy bar because they have these, this, it's amplified in their head and pain takes on different, it's like it's a dressed up for Halloween, right? It's got different looks and it, and it comes across in different ways. And, and we see it in different avenues if we continue to avoid it. So the other thing about pain that I think is super, super important is that pain always draws attention to itself. And so if you are a person that's in pain, then that pain is, it doesn't go anywhere if you just ignore it. So for example, any, any person out there that has uh, got a, a back issue, a back injury, I've lived with a back injury since I was about 12. And there are times or ways that I move or things that I've done that will re-injure my back. And so if I am in pain, in back pain, and I am trying to have a serious conversation with a client, and my back pain is, is just there, it will draw my attention away from the conversation that I'm trying to have because it's like, take care of me. And so pain is always something that um, will be there. It will continue to grow. It will continue to be there. It will continue. It doesn't, it just doesn't go away because you ignore it. So, um, I want you to understand that pain and vulnerability are wrapped up together and the more that you avoid them, the bigger that they grow. Now I'm going to move on to the third issue that likely prevents change. Shame. Shame defined is believing and feeling negatively or badly about who you are. I, I, I compare and contrast shame versus guilt. Guilt is I feel bad about what I've done. Shame is I feel bad about who I am. Whether you've got um, a sense of grossness or a sense of rejection or I used, I personally actually used to feel like there was something wrong with my DNA. I was in so much pain. I had things that I had to deal with and I used to believe and feel that people were like allergic to me and because I just felt so much anxiety around people and I know a lot of people now are like, what, Jeannie, you? Which is, is funny because a lot of times I can walk into a room and I'm like larger than life and I have a huge personality and I love to make a big impression on people and I love to joke and laugh. And I'm going to tell you that a lot of the work that I have done personally has worked on my pain, my shame, and my vulnerability. I used to, when I was, I was, I was an only child when I was growing up and, um, 
so later on in life, I, I developed this sort of belief system about like being alone was something to be ashamed of. And so it was really difficult for me to even say, I feel lonely because I believed that who, who I was, if I was not around another person, if I was lonely and it just automatically meant that I was a huge reject, just like, you know, big X on my forehead, big red X that I'm looking at. Um, and so it just felt like I was this horrible, terrible, no good, very bad person. And so I want you guys to understand that these three factors, vulnerability, pain, and shame, if you continue to allow them to expand and grow in your brain, they will stop you from, from progressing. I'm going to give you an example of um, some client work that I did a while ago. Um, she is, uh, has a, an eating disorder. Um, actually she's got a combination of a couple of them, anorexia and bulimia and people can, can flip flop back and forth and you can put in any other sort of acting out behavior. You can put in shopping addiction, you can put in alcohol, you can put in anything. But the thing is, is that, um, because of her history, because she has a lot of pain connected with um, relation, relationship, sexual, and physical trauma from her childhood, she feels the need, the automatic need is I've got to protect myself. I've got to put up a wall and I've got to act a certain way. I've got to look a certain way. I've got to respond a certain way. And if I don't do that, then I am bad. And so if she is, while she's working in therapy, if she tries to just say what's going on in her head, there's a louder voice in her head that says, stop it. That's stupid. You are way too old to act that way. And so trying people that have addictive behaviors oftentimes have this very loud, critical voice about what's going on in their life. And it's what I call the asshole or the bitch in the head. Excuse the language, but that's what I call it because that's what they do. They beat you up. They literally become, those voices become the voice of your abuser and your accuser. And so the, the step, so what we have to do is we have to step away from working on the actual traumatic issue and we have to work on the issue that prevents the recovery from the trauma. And so it is just helping someone to identify that thought process. So there's like, you can have your, oh, I'd really like to go to that dinner party. But then there's that critical voice in your head that says, no, mm -mm, you're going to look stupid. They're going to laugh at you. And unconsciously, you're going to be in so much pain that you are going to, you, you just may as well die. And so helping, what, what I like to do is I like to try and help people through working on those kinds of thought processes in the head, in their minds. And so if you can identify that, I, I want to give you a little bit of homework. This is what I'd like to do. I want you to do some homework because next week we are going to be talking about 
getting through, working through these three barriers to change. And so what I'd like for you to do is the next time you hear that voice in your head, I really, I want you to write, I want you to write those words down. So writing and talking and praying and journal, like all of those things are super helpful because getting our body is designed to get pain out. Like if, if I stump, stump my toe or I fall down or I break my wrist or whatever, I'm going to cry because that is how God created our bodies. When we are in pain, our pain needs to come out. And so when we cry, sometimes when we scream and we yell those expletives, those are actually things that are helping us to get that pain out because pain is energy and our, and our nervous system, you know, transmits that information. And so when we cry really deeply, like I think I said last time, like, like when you're crying and you do that, it literally helps the nervous system to shake out, shake off that pain. And so it literally leaves your bodily system. We are designed, I always like to say, this is sort of one of those basic things. We are designed to take things in and and to get rid of them. So if I drink this water, then eventually I'm going to pee. And that's because my body has used what it needs and then it gets rid of the rest. And the same thing happens with food. If I eat, I poo. If I... um if I breathe, breathe in, I breathe out, right? I breathe in oxygen and I breathe out carbon dioxide. So our body is designed to take things in and to expel what it doesn't need. And so our brain will, and our body when it's in pain, will take in that pain and go, oh, you're in pain. So this is what you need to do. So you need to cry or you need to hop around or you need to put your finger in your mouth or you need to do whatever it is to help manage the pain. And the pain, like I said before, will continue to stay there until you do something to get rid of it. And so what I would like for you to do is the next time you are thinking about even going, doing something to help create positive change in your life, I want you to listen for the, the opposite, the, that negative voice that wants to criticize you. And I want you to write down Two, two columns. One, what I want to do. The second one is what, what is my brain saying to me? And what those brain, what those negative thoughts are is really your fears and your pain with words. And so I want you to be able to look at those two different things. And because what this is going to do is it's going to help. When we have thoughts, they swirl around in our head. When we write them down, it puts them in a place and we can literally come back to that place. It's like a placeholder. And then we can come back when our emotion is low and we can logically and rationally look at what that's about. And so gang, that is what we're going to do next week. So I hope that this has been helpful for you to understand a little bit more about what is going on inside of your brain that prevents you from taking those positive steps towards change. So thank you again for listening. You can subscribe to our show. You can watch us on Facebook Live 
And you can find us on Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your favorite podcast. All shows are also archived on businessradiox.com. Just go to Business Radio X, select the Gwinnett Studio, and click on Food, Faith, and Feelings. And until next time, I am Dr. Jeannie Burnett, and this has been Food, Faith, and Feelings on Business Radio X.